All right, let's stand up on our feet and let's get into the word. We'll do communion at the end of the service. Are you ready for the word? Are you sure? Praise God. God is so, so good. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this time, this privilege that we have of being able to come together to study and fellowship, Lord, around your word. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name that our hearts are ready to receive and our ears are anointed to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us. Lord, we are ready to be corrected, instructed, and guided by your word. We do not depend, Lord God, on our human abilities, our human intellect, but we trusting on you, Holy Spirit, for you to guide and direct our lives in the name of Jesus. And as your word is about to be taught, Father, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that we are receptive in the name of Jesus. We come against every plan of darkness to hinder us from receiving your word, to, to block our ears, O oh God. We are ready to receive, to be changed, transformed in the name of Jesus. Father, I also pray and I thank you for your anointing and your ability to be able to communicate your word, your truth to your people in Jesus' name. And everybody say it, amen. amen. Right, tend to two people and say, I'm ready to receive the word of God. I said two people now. Awesome. Okay. We are finishing off. We are concluding our teaching on uh, the seven hindrances to prayer. The seven things that makes prayer not to work. All right? Seven hindrances to prayer. We are left with two. Um, but we're only going to focus on one. The, 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 the other one, I'm not going to go much into it because we talk about it a lot. Now, let me just go through all of them quickly, um, but not in detail, just what they are because we've got uh, enough word for today. Amen? Now, the first, pray, the first hindrance to prayer, the, first, the number one thing that makes your prayers ineffective, in other words, they make your prayers not to work, it's a lack of praying consistently, all right? A lack of praying consistently. What do we mean when we say that? We're talking about, you know, those that pray whenever they feel like it and they pray whenever they have a need, but they do not have a disciplined prayer life or a relationship with God where they commune with God all the time, amen? God only knows them when they are in need or when they're in trouble. God only knows them when they feel like it. God does not know them. They, do, they have not developed a, a relationship with God where they talk to God all the time. So that's, what we, so that's what we're talking about. So that is the number one thing that makes your prayers not to be answered is because you do not have a relationship with God and you do not uh, uh, talk to God consistently. Now remember, prayer is not asking God for the things that you want. Prayer is communication, all right? So when we communicate with God, that is called prayer, praying. And yes, praying includes things that you need from God. If I, if I have a relationship, which I do with my wife, I do not only talk to her when I need things, but we have a relationship whereby we talk about everything, we joke, we, we fight, we, we talk about things, and then I can also ask her for things that I need, she asks me for things that she need, but 
our relationship is not based on asking each other for things that we need. We are constantly talking with one another, texting, calling, and all those kind of things. Even when we are not together, we're still communicating. God wants that kind of relationship with us, and he wants you to have a relationship with him whereby you guys talk all the time. You are constantly in fellowship. You are constantly talking to each other. Amen, family? Say, God wants a relationship with me. He wants to talk to me all the time. He wants me talking to him all the time. When I talk to God, that is called prayer. All right. Now, the second thing that is affecting our prayers from being answered is a lack of faith. What does that mean? That means when we ask God for things, we, we, we don't really believe that God will do it. We're not convinced. We just talk to God and ask him for things, hoping that he will come through for us and just, you know, uh, uh, and then we know we are biting even our teeth, hoping that, you no, know, I wish he comes through for me. But we don't really believe it. We are not convinced. We are not convinced. And what makes us not to be convinced is because we do not have the word in our hearts. Amen? We do not have the word in our hearts because it's only the word of God that brings faith in our hearts. If there's no faith in our hearts, then it's pointless to ask God for anything because uh, you don't believe that he's going to do it. Uh, James says, whenever you come to God, believe. No, not, not James. That's Hebrews. James says, uh, um, when you ask God for anything, you must ask in faith without doubting, right? Because anyone that doubts, you know, it's, it's, it's a double-minded person. And they will never receive anything from the Lord. James says, if you are double-minded, if you are not convinced, and if you are not in faith, James says, you will not receive anything from the Lord. So don't even pray. So work on your faith. Number three, the third thing that causes us not to, um, uh, for our prayers to be answered is a lack of patience. It's a lack of patience. People are in a hurry. They don't want to wait. We, 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 we want answers now. And, and whenever God is delaying, we get discouraged and we feel like this is not happening. Amen? Now, 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 this patience is not just waiting, but it's waiting with an expectation. Are you with me? You are waiting with an expectation for God to move. Now, the fourth thing that causes our prayers not to be answered is offense in our hearts. We walk with, you know, with offense, we are bitter, we are angry, we've got unforgiveness in our hearts. Are you with me? So, uh, uh, a heart that is full of offense is a heart that is troubled. And John 14 verse 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. God don't want your heart troubled because uh, uh, Proverbs 4.23 he says, uh, above all else, guard your heart. You know, don't allow all these things to come in and out of your heart as they please. Don't allow anger. Don't allow offense. Don't allow bitterness to, to come in your heart. You need to guard your heart. You need to protect your heart. You need to make sure that your heart is just set apart for God because for God to work with you and use you, he will use your heart. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. So your life's issues are because of your heart. And whatever that... It's supposed to happen in your life is dependent on the condition of your heart. If your heart is not right, your life will not be right. Are you with me? So we have to have our hearts right and protect our hearts from whatever it is that is um, threatening our hearts. All right. Number five, disobedience to God's will. 
You know, we walk in disobedience. Uh, Elder Amanda was talking about tithe right now, and, and that's one of the areas where most of God's children, they are walking in disobedience. They don't want to be faithful with their finances. They refuse to be faithful with their finances. They know what the Bible says, but they choose not to do what the Bible says. That's disobedience. And if you walk in disobedience, that will affect your prayer life. That will affect your prayers being answered. There are instructions in the Word of God on, in te- based on what God wants us to do. And we need to find out what God expects us to do, and we need to do all that we can to do that. Are you with me? You cannot have a relationship with God, and you don't obey God. So disobedience to God's will affects our prayers. And God's will is God's word. Amen? If God says do not hold unforgiveness and you're holding unforgiveness, you are disobedient. If God says do not neglect the gathering of the saints, come to church, come together with believers, and you do not come together with believers, you are disobedient. If God says uh, uh, do not rob me in tithes and offering, and you only do uh, 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 offering but you don't give offerings, you are disobedient. If you only do offerings but you don't do tithe, you're disobedient. If you don't do both, you are disobedient. God said two things. He wants tithes and he wants offerings. Why? Because the tithe is partnering with God in establishing his kingdom. Are you with me? The offering is you enabling God to bless you. God don't want to be robbed from blessing you. And you can never expect a harvest where there's never been a seed. You need to plant a seed in order for a harvest to come. A farmer will not expect a harvest of a mango tree and he never planted a mango seed. Are you with me? So the same with God, he expect that. All right. And number six, we said it is, um, which is what we're going to focus on, the last two is unforgiveness in your heart. Now, I've been talking about unforgiveness as I've been coming down this point, and I'm not going to go into unforgiveness because we talk a lot about unforgiveness in this church, right? So, uh, but unforgiveness in your heart, having grudges in your heart, having hatred in your heart against anyone, that will affect your prayer. That will affect your prayers being answered. Amen? It will hinder your prayers being answered. Amen, family? So let's forgive. Let's forgive. But you don't know what they did to me. I don't care what they did to you. Forgive them. Release them. All of us, we've got stories of what people have done to us, and we've got stories of what we also did to people. Because we're not innocent. We've hurt people. People have hurt us. Let's forgive. Let's let it go. Let's release it. It's not worth keeping it in your heart. Trust me. It's not worth it. Most of the demons that are operating in your life that are harassing you are because of unforgiveness. Most of sicknesses that exist are because of unforgiveness. If you walk in forgiveness, you will live a very healthy life. Very healthy life. Are you with me? The devil will not be able to trap you. He's got no hold on you if you walk with in forgiveness because your heart is right. Your heart is pure. Your heart is set apart for the Lord. That's why the devil will cause everyone to affect you, to, 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 to hurt you, and to do all sorts of things because he's looking for an opportunity to enter your heart. So don't be an easy target for the, for the devil. The Bible says give no place to the devil. Don't give him a chance. Notice him coming from afar. He says, don't be ignorant with the devil's strategies. 
see him coming from afar and stop him right there. Walk in love. Walk in love. Love people regardless of their imperfections because you yourself are imperfect. Walk in love. Amen? The Bible says we do not fight against flesh and blood, meaning people are not our problem. Say people are not my problem. So I've got no issues with nobody. Amen? When people hate us, we, we forgive them before they even ask for forgiveness. I don't need you to ask me for forgiveness for me to forgive you. I forgive you before you even ask me for forgiveness. When you come and say, uh, Abby, please forgive me, I'll say, you're too late. You're already forgiven. Before you even sinned against me, I forgave you. That's my attitude when it comes to forgiveness. I'm, I'm, I'm very radical when it comes to forgiveness. I don't play that. I do not play. I promise you, I don't play with unforgiveness. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what you do to me. I love everybody. I love those that have hurt me. I love them with the passion. I love them even more than, more than those that are good to me. I love my enemies. The Bible says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Don't hate your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies, the Bible says. Are we, are we Bible doers? Are we obedient to the word? Love your enemies. Whoever it is at work that you think they don't like you and they are gossiping about you, love them. Bless them. The Bible says do good to those that do you wrong. Do good to them. Buy them lunch. But don't buy your friend lunch. Buy your enemy lunch. I'm not joking. I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. Why? Because when you do these things, you, 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 you are working on your heart. You are working on your heart. Hello? Otherwise, your prayers will not be answered because you're walking around hating God's children and you want God, who is their father, to bless you. How can you hate my child and you want me to bless you? Hello? I'll bless you because I've got a good heart. You know? Love your enemies, man. Love your enemies. Why don't we just do the word, huh? Why don't we just do what the Bible says? How will this world look like if we were to just do what the Bible says? Imagine how things would be if we were just do, if we don't follow our feelings. No, I don't feel like loving them. I don't care how you feel. Love them. Now, number seven, which is what we're talking about today. Number seven. The seven reason why Our prayers are hindered. I can't find it. You, oh, there we go. Selfish motives. Selfish motives. Selfish motives. Somebody say selfish motives. Say selfish motives will hinder my prayers from being answered. Let's go to Philippians, um, Philippians 2, verse 3, please. Philippians 2, verse 3. Philippians 2, verse number 3. Are you there? Are you at Philippians 2, verse 3? It says, do what? Do what? Do nothing 
from selfishness or empty conceit, through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant or self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourself. Isn't that deep? That's very deep, right? I don't know if you guys can say you do this all the time, perfectly so. This is an instruction. Is, is, that, is this a suggestion that the Lord is making? Is, is the Lord saying, I suggest that you do nothing out of selfish motives? Now let's let's check it into on from my Bible, uh, the New King James. It says, "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each esteem others." better than themselves. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. The word conceit is excessive pride in oneself. It's arrogance, self-importance, self-regard. The Bible says do nothing from selfish motives. Don't make everything to be about you. Tell the person that you say it's not about you. Don't make it about you. You're not that important. Hello? Come on, look it up. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. The Bible says we must be lowly in mind, humble. In our thinking, regarding others more than ourselves. Hello? It says, not looking into your own interest, but into the interest of others. Not looking into your own interest. Look at Amplified. Being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourself. So if we say that this is an instruction, this is a command, then if we find ourselves thinking highly of ourselves than other people, then we are committing sin and we need to repent. We are walking in arrogance. We do not have an attitude of humility. If we're thinking of others lesser than ourselves, and we're thinking of ourselves as more important than others, then we are disobedient to God's word. Hello? Hello? Now imagine this kind of attitude in marriage. Oh, Pastor Simi, here I am again. Pastor Simi says, I hardly preach and not mention marriage. 
So I, I really was thinking that I will not fall into the trap and prove it wrong. There I am. You know? Imagine this kind of attitude in marriage. It is a selfless attitude, a selfless mindset. Imagine thinking of your wife more highly than yourself. Or imagine thinking of your wife, what did I say first? Your husband more than yourself or your wife more than yourself. Amen? Imagine making your wife more important than you or making your husband more important than you. In other words, their needs will be of great importance than your comfort. That's deep right there, right? You will not sacrifice their needs for your comfort. You will be okay with them benefiting at your expense. Being good at your expense. Hello? This is Bible now. Didn't Jesus do that? Did he not die in our place? Did he not pay the price we were supposed to pay? It's a question now. Did he not? So are we now, did we not gain at his expense? We did. And he says we must be followers of Christ, meaning we must copy Christ, we must do as Christ do. Now, I don't want to copy anybody. Listen, you've been living all your life copying, imitating. People that you admire, you want to be like them. Young boys today, they want to be like Ronaldo or Messi. There's nothing wrong in copying as long as you copy the right things. Amen? But Christ says, copy me. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think or better than others. That is a deep instruction right there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 24. We're talking about things that causes our prayers not to be answered. Distractions to our prayers. I want my prayers to be answered. Listen, if hating someone is going to make my prayers not be answered, I'm going to love them so that my prayers are answered. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 24. It says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Let no one seek only his own, his own good, but also that of the other person. Don't seek your own good, but seek the good of others. Seek the good of others. Think about people. Consider people. Hello, family. Now, you don't get this kind of things in today's movies. Movies don't promote this. No, they promote, they promote give them a piece of your mind. Movies promote 
The one that hates you, hate them more. Hello? They promote jealousy. They promote unforgiveness. They promote revenge. The movies of today, the movies that entertain us. They promote such things. Hello? Someone say, if we can't say amen, at least say, Lord, help us. James chapter 3, verse 16. James chapter 3, verse 16. Are you there? The Bible says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Uh oh. <laughs> this is so deep. Deeper than when I was preparing. For where jealousy, my Bible says envy, and selfish ambition exist, my Bible says self seeking, there is disorder, my Bible says confusion here, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing. And morally degrading practice. Oh my word. Morally degrading practice. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition exists. How evil can we be and still say we are godly? The Bible says... How can you be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more me, who is not evil? The Bible says we are evil. Me and my wife were talking about this word evil. I'm like, you know, evil is not as deep as we think. And that's why we always separate ourselves from it, because we think evil is deep. Uh -uh. Evil is just being selfish. You're evil. Hey, bring it close. When you're selfish, you are evil. Yeah. When you're seeking for your own benefit only, you are evil. How many evil people do we have in the house today? <laughs> I love Brother John's honesty. It's like, eh? it, it's, is there in the word? For where jealousy, my Bible says envy. All right? Now, there's a difference between jealousy and envy. How many of you guys know that the Bible says God is a jealous God? Now, now there, there are different kinds of jealousies. Now, the God kind of jealousy, this jealousy is envy. And I want to explain the two. The God kind of jealousy uh, is, is a good jealousy, all right? But envy is not good. Envy says, I want what you have. I'm not happy that you have it. I want to be the one who has it, and I'll do whatever it takes to get it, even if what I do causes you pain, as long as I get it. As long as I get it at your expense, I don't care what you go through for me to get it. I want it because I don't like the fact that you have it. I'm not happy that you have it. I want what you have, and I will get it from you. I don't care what you go through, what happens to you, even if you die, as long as I get it. That is being envy. Now, jealousy 
Why God is jealous is because the Bible says we are bought with a price. We belong to God. We are his. Now, if I take my car and I borrow it to Pastor Linda, and I say, Pastor Linda, here's my car. You can use it for a week. And then I see Pastor Linda passing my house and he's spinning the tires and, you know, he's, he's doing all sorts of things and he is using my car in a way in which I do not use my car. In other words, he is abnormally using my car, which is called abuse. Abuse is an abnormal way of using things. So he's using my car in an abnormal way from which I would use my car myself. I become jealous because he's misusing that which belongs to me. Now the Bible says we are gods and we are purchased with the price. We belong to God. And God becomes jealous when he sees the devil misusing that which belongs to him. We belong to him and the devil keeps on using us and then he keeps on putting sickness on us. He keeps on harassing our lives and destroying our lives. The Bible says God gets jealous when he sees how the devil misuses his children because it is God's children. But now the devil says, God, they are the ones that are giving their lives to me. They're giving me access. They're giving me permission. So God gets jealous when we give our lives to the devil and we keep on living for the devil because the devil misuses his children. Say, I'm God's property. He said, God gets jealous when his property is misused. Hello, family. He gets jealous when we still, when we keep calling people and we're telling John and we're telling Susie and we say, we can't live without you. My life cannot continue without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm crazy without you. I can't even breathe without you. When God says, I'm the one who gave you the breath of life. I'm the one who heals you. I'm the one who provides for you. I'm the one who does all these kind of things. And you keep praising Jimmy and Susie and telling them, you know what? I'm empty without you. You're supposed to be full of God, not empty of another human being. Who themselves need God as well. Amen. Hello? How dare you say you cannot live about another human being who themselves cannot live without God? Listen, you can walk out of my life, I'll still live. You know my life, God is my life. I'm not talking about you, baby. I'm talking about you. <laughs> Now every time after preaching, I got called, I get called into the consulting room called the bedroom. And sometimes I get to explain what I was trying to say. Like, nah, baby, I was not trying to say that. This is what I was trying to say, you know. So you got to tread carefully. You got to tread carefully. Otherwise, it's like, Philippians 2, verse number 5. Philippians 2, verse number 5. Are you getting something so far? Are you sure? Say, Father, we thank you that you are always faithful with your word. Isn't he always faithful with his word? Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. It says, have this same attitude 
in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Say this to me. Say, my attitude must be the same as Christ. Have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. Oh, I love this translation. I love this amplified. It, it just amplifies it, amen? You know, it, it just puts that thing in it. Let's look at uh, the New King James. It says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Verse 6 says, who, being in the form of God, who being in what? Who being what? Say Christ is the same as God. Christ is equal to God. He says, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Listen, he did not consider it robbery to be equal to God. It's not an injustice to be equal to God. It's how it is. It's acceptable. All right? However, it says here, but, but, even though he's equal to God, even though he did not consider it robbery to be like God, in the form of God, even though that's the truth, yet made himself of no reputation. He had a reputation. Yet he made himself of that which he is, but he made himself as if he has it. He does not have it. He made himself of no reputation. Did he have a reputation? He just told us about his reputation before we get to this verse. It says that he is in the form of God. He says he did not consider it robbery to be what? Equal with God. He says he is equal to God. His attitude, he has this mind in him. Yet, even in his reputation of being God, of being equal to God, he regarded himself of no reputation. My man, taking the form, not wait, he had the form of God, but he took the form of a slave. He says, taking the form of a bond servant. Baba I'll tell them to come preach and let me go take care of the babies and we'll see. I'll do a good job. Hmm? They just want to be entertained. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. And the Bible says, taking the form of a slave and coming in the likeness of men. So, he came down from his level. He came down from being on high and he came to the level of others. 
He had a reputation, but he let go of his reputation for the sake of others. He was a master, a ruler, but he became a bond servant. He was supposed to be served, but he became a server, the one that serves. And the Bible says we must have the same attitude, we must have the same mindset. We know you've got qualifications. We know you are educated. We know we've got money in the bank. But behave and act and talk like you don't. Don't wave your reputation in front of us. I am Pastor Abby. You must be careful how you talk to me. You must be careful how you deal with me. I'm the man of God. Ha, <laughs> They despise me, men of God, when they do that. I, I, I get this, I, they despise me because that's not Christ's nature. I, I understand giving honor. Listen, listen. I, I believe so much in honor. I give honor big time, but I don't expect it. Whether you give me honor or not, I don't care. I give honor because I know the benefit of honor. Honor does not mean the one honored. Honor benefits the one honoring. Honor benefits the one that's honoring. So I, I honor those I'm supposed to honor. Yet, I don't expect to be honored. And I can see when you're in dishonor. And you know yourselves that it's in dishonor. Have I ever called into the office and said, you don't honor me? Never. Not a chance. Have I ever rebuked you from not honoring me? Uh-uh. I'll rebuke you from excellence, from doing what's expected of you in the house of the Lord as we're serving. I'll rebuke you from coming late to meetings. But I won't rebuke you from how you treat me. How you treat me is none of my business. I don't care how you treat me. That's your business. How I treat you is my business. How you treat me is your business. So I will do everything I can to treat you well, to treat you right. Because that's my business with the Father. How you treat me is your business with the Father. I don't want to get involved. I don't care. Doesn't make me less or more important anyway. Amen, family? We need to have the right mindset. People get offended how they were mistreated. Who do you think you are? Why do you want to be treated good? Treat yourself good, man. They get offended how they were treated. Some leave churches because they were mistreated. Get over yourself. Can I tell the truth? Is it okay? Please don't leave the church. Please don't take offense at what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just trying to give you the truth. Because we're seeking things that are really not important. We are, we are chasing things that do not make a difference. The Bible says, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, made himself of no reputation. He stripped himself off of his reputation. This means he had no expectations to be treated as the son of God. He had no expectation to be treated as one equal to God. He knew he's equal to God, but it did not matter whether you treat him like that or not. And they did not even believe that he is. And then even on the cross, he still said, Father, forgive them. They do not know who they're messing with. They do not know. They do not know what they're doing. They don't know who they're messing with. If they knew who they're messing with, they would not be doing what they're doing. They're ignorant, which means they lack information. Say ignorance is a lack of information. When you dishonor those that are in authority, you are ignorant. You lack information. No, some say, no, but I don't lack information. I've got information. Then you are rebellious. It's either you lack information or you are just stubborn and rebellious. Amen? Let's, let's take our intellect. When you get to the word of God, take your intellect and put it there. And say, Holy Spirit, help me believe. Help me understand. Give me revelation. Revealed word. Amen? Go to James chapter 4. James 4. We're going to read 1 to 3. James chapter 4, 1 to 3. It says in my Bible, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet. Not covet 19, eh? And cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask amiss. That you, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Amen. I know this is, this is, this is cheap word for you. That is, this is, this is baby. This is, this is, um, this is the milk. This is not meat. You know, you want revelations, big revelations. You, you, you want me to talk about things like, wow, wow, wow. Uh, this is too small for you. I know I'm boring you. This is my gospel. You ask for God, you ask God for something and do not receive. Is this verse 1? Go back to verse 1, please. What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Now, this is what leads to unending quarrels, conflicts, conflicts among you. Now, now, this same thing is the same reason why there are wars in nations, among politicians, in the church, in families. This is how the devil operates. This is how he rules. 
He says, what leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do they not come from your, that word? <laughs> hedonistic. Hedonistic desire. Someone look up hedonistic. Is there someone who knows what hedonistic is? Bonus. Hedonistic. Go to teacher Google. And ask teacher Google, hedonistic. Hedonistic. Am I, am I pronouncing it well? Mahuaron. Or must I say hedonistic? Is it hedonistic? <laughs> no, because it's not hedonistic, it's hedonistic. Someone look up hedonistic, please. Now go to Google. Hedonistic. Engaged in the pursuit of pleasure. Uh, Say se- se- what? Sensually. sensually. Not sexually. Sensually what? Indulgent. Indulgent. Hmm. Give me that first line again. Engaged in the pursuit. The word pursuit is to chase. Engaged in the chasing of pleasure. Now, now, now. What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do they not come from your engagement of pursuit of pleasure, which is desires, that wage war in your body? <laughs> There's a war that's taking place in the inside of you. You know, you know, wage war in your members, your feelings. Your thoughts, those are your members. Your ambitions, those are your members. There is a war in the inside of you and that war is, is, is with your members. And this war is about the, 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 the hedonistic uh, 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 of pleasures. <laughs> uh, you, you don't be hedonistic. If you are hedonistic, there is a war that is encouraged by your attitude of hedonistic. Uh, are you with me? Tell the person next to you, say, run away from being hedonistic. Say, say don't be hedonistic. Hallelujah. Woo! He says, do they not come, all these conflicts and quarrels, do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members fighting for control over you? Fighting for control over you. God wants to be the one that's in control over you. But there are these things that are fighting to take control. They are fighting against God. They are fighting against his word. They are fighting against your spirit. They want to take control of you. The pleasures of this world. The pursuit of the things of this world. They want to be in charge. They want to take control. They want to be the leader. They want to be going ahead of you. They want you to chase after them. They are in your members. You can rest. They determine how you operate on in your day. They determine how you treat others. They determine how you deal with your finances. They even determine whether you're going to be faithful to God with your finances or not. This hedonistic desires. Hello. 
They're keeping you away from God's best. They're keeping you away from being obedient to God. They're keeping you away from that which God has in store for you. They cause fights in your families, in your marriage. There's no longer peace in the house just because you don't have the same house as your neighbor. There's no longer peace. You cannot sleep because your neighbor is driving a better car than you. And you're putting pressure in your spouse because you are led by hedonistic desires. <laughs> you are not satisfied with what you have. You are not content. Your mind is always over the place. It, be, it makes you lack gratitude. You can't even be grateful. You can't even thank God for anything. Because whatever you have is not enough. You always want that which someone else has. You are envious of them. You walk in envy because you want what they have. But you're not willing to pay the price that they paid. And when you go to God in prayer and you ask God to do things for you, those are the controlling motives. Those are the motives that drive you into prayer. You cry in tears and we feel sorry for you, but your tears are because you are hedonistic. Yes, 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 yes. And you get offended to God because God is not moved by your emotions and your tears because he knows the motives. He knows what's in the heart. He knows, you know, you know you're crying nothing, man. Jesus cried for, his, for the sheep. Jesus cried for the lost. You crying for a car. Please don't leave the church because I'm teaching, preaching the truth. You can't even attend a wedding because the last wedding you attended is the same dress that you're wearing and, and you don't have a new one. And you even take your tithing money to go and buy a new dress because you've got hedonistic desires. You want to be seen with something good. You want to seem good, but you don't feel good. Hello? It's all about what's in the outside. We don't care about what's in the inside. Inside you are bitter. Inside you are broken. Inside you are small. Inside you are lost. As long as outside I look like I'm the man in my suit and in my tie and in my car which opens its doors before I arrive like pooms in this car. And then when I arrive but yeah, I'm fine. I win. Just cock. Just cock. A broken cock. Pastor, what you're saying is not in the Bible. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. It's not even in my notes. 1 Peter chapter 3. Quickly, 1 Peter chapter 3. Okay. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Huh? Verse 3. Go to verse 3. 1 Peter 3, verse 3. Your adornment. Okay, start from verse 2. The Bible says you must be submissive and all those kind of things, blah, blah, blah. It says, when they see your modest and... Now go to verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. I think it will give some understanding. 
but I want verse 3. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate, not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands and their accountability to God, Jesus. And so, partnering with them as helpers, so that even if some do not believe. Now, who do not believe? Who do not believe? So, he's talking to wives. He says, wives, be this way so that even if they do not believe. So, there's no excuse for you not to be submissive because he does not believe. You are submissive even when he does not believe. But, if you are submissive and he does not believe, the Bible says, even if some do not believe the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives. Okay, let's put it this way. They will be won. Go back, go back, go back. They will be won over by the godly lives of their wives. Those that do not believe, they will be won over by the godly lives of their wives. So the godly wife, her conduct becomes an evangelist to the husband. Her conduct. She's evangelizing with her conduct, not with her loud mouth. She evangelizes with her conduct. How she carries herself. How she talks to her husbands. How, how she engages in disagreements. Her tone. Her attitude. Her look. With a quiet and gentle spirit. I give my love. Hallelujah. Continue. When, when they see your modest and respectful behavior, when who sees it? Wives say, my husband. Wives say, my husband. Must see my modest and respectful behavior. But we were like when you are screaming and shouting. Why live more modest? Uh -uh. Say, my husband, my see. <laughs> when they see your modest and respectful behavior, together with your devotion and appreciation and love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. Not a curse, a blessing from God. Say, my husband is a blessing from God. Even, if, even when he gets on my nerves, he's my blessing. Say, my blessing is getting on my nerves. <laughs> continue, continue. Now, 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 here's what I'm looking for. Your adornment. How many of you guys adorned yourself this morning when you came to church? You adorned yourself. Amen? Some of you guys... You put some nice things. Beautiful, beautiful. Please, do that. Your adornment must not be merely external, meaning outside. With interweaving. What about weave it in the weave? weave. <laughs> Say, a weave is not a sino. But put a weave on your spirit, man. Woo! Your adornment must not be merely external. But with interweaving and elaborate knotting. What about a knotting? What about a single? 
and they do those knots, like whatever, <laughs> of the hair, nothing of the hair, and wearing gold. How many ladies have some gold? Wearing gold, jewelry, or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in expensive clothes, superficially preoccupied with dressing in expensive clothes. Continue. He says, he did not say don't do those things. He did not say don't do your hair. He didn't say don't put your makeup. He didn't say don't. He did not say don't do that. He said, don't only do it on the outside. Don't do it at the expense of what's in the inside. So in other words, do it on the outside and in the inside. In actual fact, do it more in the inside than you do in the outside. Put that lipstick of patience. Put those eyebrows of self-control. Put the makeup of submission. Are you with me? Put that voice of humility. Are you with me? Put that attitude of a gentle and a quiet spirit. My wife says hectic. <laughs> Don't talk to your husband and say, hey, Ah, uh -uh, man, ah, uh ah. -uh. Ouch. Sometimes I wonder, Alice Limazmar. Okay, okay, let's wrap this up. But let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person. Who's the, the hidden person of the heart? That's your spirit. That's your heart, your spirit. Let it be the inner beauty. Say, God. Is more concerned about inner beauty. Let it, let me, let me. Ladies, listen here. Inner beauty makes you more attractive than outside beauty. Inner beauty make you, makes you so attractive. No man can resist inner beauty. But I don't care how beautiful you may be on the outside. If your inside is not beautiful, you are ugly, yo. Inner beauty. I love you, my daughters. Listen, Kavalisa, with the women in my church, Lord. But let it be the inner. So work on your inner beauty. Work on it. Work on it. Work on it. If you're not happy with it, work on it. Work on it. It can be achievable, though. Can be achievable. You want a man to to to, to worship the the what? The what? The ground. the ground that you walk on. Ah, inner beauty. Ah, inner beauty. You want him to listen. You want him to overcome whatever it is on your behalf. Inner beauty. You want him to chase things on your behalf. Whatever you desire, it makes you desire and your desire is his command. Inner beauty. Not you're talking too much. Inner beauty. Inner beauty. If he can feel respected, even when he does not deserve, deserve respect, the problem is you only want to give what they deserve. Even if they do not deserve respect, but you give it. They know they don't deserve it. You don't have to tell them and remind them. They know. They, we know when we're acting like mojos. We know. We know. 
But don't remind us. Don't tell us. When you do that, no, Bona, you are beautiful. You remind me of my... Ooh. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. <laughs> this is marriage counseling. Marriage counseling for free. Don't call me into my office for marriage counseling. This is it. If you do the things I say here, you don't need me to sit you in the office. This is marriage counseling. Marriage counseling 101. Okay, let's wrap it up, the scripture, quickly. I'm out of time, ne? Way out of time. Ask this. Let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart, which is the spirit, with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit. An imperishable quality. Imperishable meaning it's a quality that can never perish, that can never be destroyed. Hmm? It's a quality can be destroyed. And that quality is a quality of a gentle and peaceful spirit in the heart. Ne? One that is calm and self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious, not even to your husband, but to God. Very precious to God. If you are married to a man and he's not born again, this is will get him born. This will get him born again. No, it will. It will. This will get. You see, this. Now, because we keep talking about respecting them and everything. How, when is he going to respect him? When you are like this. This ends respect. This deserves respect. Even if he did not want to respect, he will automatically just respect you because of this. He will honor you. Now, keep on talking about honoring the husband. What about honoring the wife? This. No, but he must love me. This unlocks that love. This unlocks that love that you want. The love that you want, you're not going to get it from screaming at him and shouting and everything. You're going to get it by this attitude. This attitude unlocks the things that you Keep on fasting for. Stop fasting and be this. Bona, bona, stop suffering yourself. Cut off the fast. Just do this. Amen, family. All right, can I give you the last scripture and I'm out of your way, please, please. I know, I know we've been having a great time. It's not my fault that we're out of time, is you is you. Go to Mark, Mark 4, verse 19, please. Mark 4, verse 19. Selfish motives, guys. Selfish motives. Selfish motives. But the worries and cares of the world, the distractions of this age, with its worldly pleasures and this deceitfulness and the false security or drama of wealth or fame and the passionate desires for all the other things creep in and choke out the word 
the word that's in your heart and it becomes unfruitful. What makes the word unfruitful? It is the worries and the cares of this world. What makes the word and your prayers unfruitful? It is the distractions of this age. This word age means this world. The distractions of this world. This world has a lot of distractions. Even young people from a very young age are distracted. Social media, it is distracting them. Facebook, distractions. TikTok. TikTok will make your life, the clock of your life to be ticking. Distractions, the social media. Social media is from the devil. Okay, it's not from the devil, but it's influenced by the devil. The devil is not that creative. He cannot create such things. But he manipulates every good idea. He manipulates and he makes it work on his behalf. Are you with me? Those things were created by, 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 by minds that are given by God for the purpose. Everything that God does is for the purpose of number one thing. Number one thing. Bringing the lost in. Everything. Everything that God does in your life is for the purpose of bringing the lost in. Everything. Your marriage is for the sake of bringing the lost in. Your money is for the purpose of bringing the lost in. Your car is for the purpose of bringing the lost in. Your promotion, your business idea is for the purpose of bringing the lost in. So, what about me? Listen, when you take a portion of what God has blessed you with and you give it into God's vision, you are saying, Lord, I'm partnering with you with your vision, with that which is important to you. And what's important to God is people to become like us, children of God. What's important to God is for the lost, the people that are lost, to become like all of us. We want to separate ourselves from them, but God wants them to be a part of us. So when you, when you invest your money into the gospel, especially what he told you, 10% of your income. If your salary is a thousand rand, 100 rand, God says, is mine. And I want you to give it into the church because I want it to be a part of what I'm doing in this community, in this world. I'm going to use that money so that the servant of my servant that are called to, to, to preach the gospel, he can get a venue that is big enough to accommodate people from the streets. And your finances are enabling him to do that. And when you enable a man of God to do what God has called him to do, you also receive his reward. Whoever receives a pastor in the name of a pastor or a prophet in the name of a prophet, he will receive the prophet's reward. So in other words, when people are here and are preaching the gospel to them, and it's your money that bought this thing, it's you who's preaching to them. Because your money is enabling me to preach to them. When they give their lives to Jesus, it's not only because of my preaching, it's because of your finances that has made it possible for me to do that. So you are a partaker in that which God is doing. You see, you must have the bigger picture of why finances are needed in the church. 
And stop listening to all the, the nonsense on the streets, on social media, that no, pastors, they want uh, for, for monies for your money for self-gain. Yeah, that's true. For those that are dead already in their hearts, they don't want to serve God anymore. But that does not stop God's truth. God's truth is that he will bless you so that you can contribute to your kingdom. I dare you, I dare you today. If you can make up your mind that you're going to be a contributor to God's vision in the church that you attend, you're going to be faithful with your finances, watch God putting money into your hands. If God can trust you with money, God can trust putting money in your hands. But if God cannot trust you with money, you will pray and pray for that money. It won't come because God knows that if it gets into your hand, gone. So yeah. Money is an amplifier. If you love God, it will help you love God more. If you are a sinner, it will help you sin very nice and in nice places. Now, now you are sinning very far. We don't see you don't sin where we no. You 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 sin in the air. We are Cape Town, and you come back. We see we saw nothing. Money is an amplifier. If your heart is after God, money will make it more after God. Now you can invest into things that you could not afford to help you grow in the spirit. But if your heart is not for God, and God knows if He puts money in your hand. He will lose you. He's not going to do it. I will not do it too. But God knows that if he can put a, a couple of millions in my hands, he knows I'll buy that land. He knows. He knows I'll buy that land before I even buy a car. I'll buy that land. Before I even buy my own, he knows I'll do it. He knows. And I kid you not, I will. Amen? Can God trust you with money? How you prove that you can be trusted with money is by being faithful with 10%. Your job comes from God. The Bible says promotion comes from God. Promotion comes from God. And he says, listen, in this that I'm giving you, I'm being faithful to you and I'm looking after you. I'm keeping you healthy so that you can work. You never get sick. When was the last time you went to the doctor? God says, I'm doing my part. But you, my church is suffering because you're sitting on your disobedience. Because you're concerned about the things of the world. You're concerned about, will I have enough? He said, test me. Test me. Let me test me and see if you won't have en enough. You see, you don't believe, we don't believe God. This end of the month, we're going to see a lot of tithers in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen, family? Amen. Sorry for being so passionate. Amen. I can't help it. Amen. How many guys love this Jesus? Praise God. I didn't even explain Mark 14. Mark 4 verse 9. We'll get into it some other time. We're supposed to have Holy Communion. Please send the, the, the communion stuff quickly, quickly, quickly. We're out of time. Send the communion stuff quickly. As much as you can. God is good. Amen. Let's read some scripture. Quickly, while they're getting the communion stuff, First Corinthians eleven. Let's read it quickly, guys. Save, save. Don't wait. Save. We're out of time. 
If you have unforgiveness in your heart, don't take communion. If you are bitter with someone in your heart, don't take communion. If your heart is not right, if your heart is not pure, don't take communion. Because if you do so, you will be bringing judgment on yourself. Don't bring judgment on yourself by taking communion in an unworthy manner. We take communion in an unworthy manner if our hearts are not right for communion. Is that scriptural? Let's check this out. Verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, he broke the, the bread and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Say, when I take communion, when I eat on the bread, I am remembering the body of Jesus being broken for me. I'm remembering what he went through on my behalf. He said, my body, which is offered as a sacrifice for you, do this affectionate, in affectionate remembrance of me. All right? Look at verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Say, when I drink of the cup, which represents his blood, I'm remembering the price that the blood paid on my behalf. Because of the blood, I'm more than a conqueror. Because of the blood, I'm an overcomer. Because of the blood, I'm walking in divine healing. Because of the blood, I'm delivered. Amen, family? And then verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, say, I must eat the bread, I must drink the cup, often. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, whoever does that in an unworthy manner, he will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body. Now, how are you unworthy and how are you guilty of the body? If you are mistreating a member of the body of Christ, you are guilty of the body. If you are holding grievance and unforgiveness against a member of the body who Jesus died on the cross with his body, you are guilty of the body. Do not partake. Do not partake. You are unworthy. You are unworthy. You are holding on to bitterness. You are holding on to unforgiveness. You are holding on to strife. You are unworthy. No, Jesus makes me worthy. Ah, 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 ah. This is the matters of your heart. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself. Check yourself out. Check yourself out. Check whether your heart is right. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 29. 
For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner drinks and drinks and eats and drinks judgment on himself. Whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment. Don't drink judgment to yourself. By not discerning the Lord's body. How do I not discern the Lord's body? Is by failing to discern members that make up the body of Christ. The Bible says we together, all of us, we are the body of Christ. We are his bride, he's the groom, and he's the, he's the head also. We are his body. Now, when my toe is painful, the whole body acknowledges it. I, I can even start limping because there's something that's not functioning well. When you are busy, ladies cooking and everything, and then you cut your finger, your whole body reacts. You are, you, your whole body identifies with the, with the thing. So if you had a member of the body of Christ, which is a member of your body, and you do not acknowledge it, you are failing to discern the Lord's body, which you are part of. And when you fail to discern the Lord's body, and then you take on communion, which represents the body of Christ, his body that died for, the, for everybody, and you have something against a member of the body which he died for, and then you want to partake in communion, you'll be judged. That act will judge you. And you drink the cup which represents his blood that was shed for everybody. And you drink it. And you've got issues and hatred and anger and bitterness and selfishness and wrong thoughts and gossip and all those kind of things against his children. Even your children, even your spouse. Don't drink. Don't drink. Otherwise you'll be bringing judgment on yourself. So if you are that person and you've got it, put it down unless if you start your heart right now in this prayer. Let's sort out our hearts. Let's say, Father God, forgive me for any anger, any bitterness, any mistreatment, any gossip, all the wrong thoughts that I might have participated in regarding members of your body regarding your children forgive me Lord I am sorry forgive my ignorance I repent Holy Spirit help me not to fall on this trap ever again I don't want to bring judgment on myself and as I partake in communion as I eat the bread I'm remembering, Lord, your body, which was broken for me. Thank you, Lord, for the price that you paid on my behalf. I am so blessed to have someone dying in my place. Because of your brokenness, I am whole. I love you, Lord. Let's partake. Eat the bread. Partake. So I thank you for the wine. 
Someone is like, Pastor, there's not wine, there's juice, whatever. I, take, I thank you for the wine that represents your blood. Thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross. Because of the blood, I'm an overcomer. Because of the blood, I am delivered. Because of the blood, I walk in victory, in dominion, over every circumstance. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for me. In Jesus' name, that's Patel. You are eating Jesus and you are drinking Jesus. Mm. Jesus is yummy. Amen? Now, continue with this by eating Jesus and worship drinking Jesus. Amen? God is good. Amen? Oh, I feel like we had church today. Hallelujah. God is good. Every head bowed and every eye closed.